0: Welcome back to Chi Alpha everyone. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm truly grateful that you decided to spend your Tuesday evening with us. I think God has got some big plans for you and I and I know he wants to do some big things in your life and on in our lives on campus. If this is your first time watching, I want to especially thank you and let you know that we hope you feel welcomed. We want to connect with you. So if you would go below to the link and fill out the connect information, we're not going to spam you. We just want to get in touch with you and get connected in these last couple weeks of the semester. One thing that I pray for everyone who tunes into a Cuyahoga service or comes to a Cuyahoga service is that they know they are loved and they are welcomed, to part of our family, no matter what their background is. If you are a non-college student watching, I want to also thank you. Thank you for joining us, and this is a great time to tune into a Cuyahoga service because we are getting ready to plant a church for all ages this fall, Sent Church, so please get connected. The link for that is below if you are interested in that. We are so excited to broaden our family and to see what we can do in the Cedar Valley and what God wants to do through us. As the world is spinning around us, it can be so easy for us to lose track of the important things in life. As everything changes, it can be easy for us to kind of change and lose focus, for us to forget what and who we're following. For me, when I was a kid, I'll be honest, I had a weird obsession with Toby Mack, who is a Christian music artist. I was willing to follow him to the ends of the Earth. I think in one summer, like in one month, my family and I went to like five different states just to watch him in concert. I was that obsessed with him. I loved him so much. And this love led me to want to look like him. So that meant I was going to change, and I was going to copy his look instead of my own. This led me down a terrible, terrible path of changing my hairstyle, where I ended up with frosted tips was the first step. So I was excited because Toby Mac had frosted tips, so it was my time to get frosted tips. We went to a concert. I was ready to show off for him. He's going to see me in the front with my frosted tips. I get there. I'm ready. I look up on the stage. And he doesn't have frosted tips anymore. He changed his hairstyle. Instead of having frosted tips, he now had like a cool faux hawk looking thing with a little bit of frosty on the top, but it wasn't frosted tips anymore. I was so sad. I was following my hero and I was going to match him, and I lost my opportunity because he changed his hair. So obviously, when I got home, I told my parents, I need to change my hair again. It is time for me to get a faux hawk and to get a little frosty on the top. So I get the faux hawk going, I get a little bit of blonde on the top and we go to our next concert in a few weeks to see Toby Mac. I kid you not, I go to this concert again, I'm excited to show off my new hair, again I'm gonna match Toby Mac, my hero, I get there and his hair is different again. This time he is not of a faux hawk, but he has a blonde mohawk, so this is all shaved, just blonde. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna follow you to the ends of the earth, Toby Mac. So I went home, my parents got out the razors, we shaved it and dyed it all blonde and I had a blonde mohawk. We get ready to end the summer and go to another Toby Mac concert, I think he was back to the frosted tips, and the blonde mohawk was gone. I was so sad. I was devastated. Every time I changed my hair to look like Toby Mac, he changed it. Like, he knew that there's some weird kid in Iowa who's trying to copy him, so he had to change it so he didn't look like me. I'm not kidding. This happened multiple times in my childhood. I tried to follow him and try to do as he said and try to be like him. And as I did that, he changed, just like we are in a season of so much change. And so much flux is going around in our world. Just like my hair and Toby Mac's hair, the world around us is changing every moment. School is completely different. People are losing jobs. We can't see our families. We are in uncharted territory with our daily lives. If you go to Hy-Vee now, they have arrows directing you where to go. Everyone's wearing masks. And if you would have known that even a month and a half ago, you would have thought that was nuts and thought the world was going mad. But now we are allowed to only have one person per cart. The world is completely different, and it's just been a couple months, and I think that is absolutely crazy. We as Chi Alpha are also headed into a season of a lot of change. We are getting ready to plant scent church this fall, so Pastor Daniel will be shifting gears to focus on the church as my wife Taylor and I take over his current role as the director of Chi Alpha. We have three of our current interns joining the team as full-time staff as John and Casey Griffin and Katie, soon to be Boldy, joins our team. We also have three more interns that are joining our team this fall as Lexi Bartell, Chloe Mundy, and Victor Martinez step into their next phase of life after graduation of joining our team as interns. We have some seniors who have been a part of our community for a long time that are getting ready to graduate and leave us. We also have some small group leaders that are graduating and moving on from leading small group, and as that's happening, we have new small group leaders stepping in and taking their roles and to grow. Our community is changing so much as we step into this next fall. So, we are headed into a season where we're not sure what this fall is going to exactly look like. We're not sure if we'll be allowed to be back on campus, if welcome week, where we meet all our freshmen, will look the same. We don't even know what this freshman class is going to be like. The current freshman class is absolutely incredible. So, if they can be half as good as this current class, I'll be very pleased. Our summers are completely different. Gatherings might be completely different this fall. We don't know if we'll be allowed back in Lang Auditorium to do our meetings. We don't know what's going to happen. We're headed into a season that, to be honest, can look very scary. There's so much unknown right now. Our lives are completely different on multiple levels. For Taylor and I, we are stepping into a role that we've dreamed of having for years, and our lives are kind of being turned upside down. Amidst all this change, though, one thing is constant, our call. We as disciples of Christ have one call above all else. We are called to follow Jesus. Wherever he takes us, we go. When he says to move, we move. If he says to stay, we stay. This hasn't changed. Even though everything else in our lives may be changing, our vision, our call remains the same. We are called to follow Jesus wherever he takes us. That is it. Our calling is not too complicated. It's relatively simple. So get ready and you're going to write this down. This is our main idea for the night. This is our main idea for next fall. This is our main idea for this next season. This is our main idea for the next hundred seasons. We must follow Jesus above all else as he takes us into new lands. We must follow Jesus above all else as he takes us into new lands. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for all of the students and for the adults watching our video, God. I pray that you touch their hearts and that you speak through me, Jesus, and you just speak your words out of my mouth, Father. We love you so much. Amen. So I just recently finished a book, and this book probably changed my life more than any book I've ever read. This book has reoriented my thinking more than any one sermon Maybe any one retreat or weekend ever has. This book is called The Cost of the Discipleship by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. In this book, Bonhoeffer dives into what it actually looks like to follow Jesus. And he spends most of his time covering what is probably Jesus' most famous sermon, and that's the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about the Beatitudes and what it looks like when Jesus is your Lord. If you are looking for a book to read this summer, I cannot recommend it enough. It has absolutely changed my life. If you want to use this season to grow, this season of quarantine as we head into summer— If you want to grow not only closer to God, but just as a leader and as a person, please read some books this summer. Leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. If you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you have to read books and learn from people who are smarter than us. Reading books from people that have lived longer than us, who are farther along in their journey with Christ, is so important. Different books have changed my life so much. I can think of countless books that have impacted my life. So please, please, if you are not a reader and you struggle to read, that's okay. Just change that this summer and step into a new season where you're going to try and learn from some of these giants in the faith. Use this time to become a reader. We have more time than ever. If you need ideas for books, please reach out to me. Message me on Facebook. I would love to help you get started with reading books. In Chi Alpha world, so Chi Alpha is a national organization, and in our organization, we like to read what we sympathetically call old dead guys or ODGs, These are books written by people that are obviously gone, but when they were alive, they were giants for the movement of God. They were so smart, they have so much wisdom, and we have the opportunity to learn from them even though they're gone. You're never going to hear a Dietrich Bonhoeffer sermon live, but you can go ahead and read his book and get to know his thoughts. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, C.S. Lewis, A.W. Tozer, the list goes on and on of men and women who have walked with Jesus for a long time, and we have the opportunity to kind of get a peek inside their head by reading their books. So please, if you're looking for something to do this summer, read some old dead guys or girls. In the book that I'm talking about, The Cost of Discipleship, he dives into Jesus' sermons and before he does that, before he dives in the Sermon on the Mount, he has a chapter entitled The Call to Discipleship. This chapter was definitely the most influential for me as he shows us what it looks like for the early disciples, so Jesus' best friends, what it looked like for them to follow him. At the beginning of the chapter, the very first thing he has in his chapter is Matthew 9.9. And this is the verse where Jesus calls Matthew. Matthew is the author of the, the book of Matthew, which is in the Bible. He's also one of the disciples. And this verse is Jesus calling Matthew to follow him. So Matthew 9, nine says this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Something that is important to note about Matthew is that he was a tax collector. And this time when Jesus was alive, tax collectors were, to be honest, the scum of the earth. So Matthew was a Jewish person. That was his nationality. However, Matthew worked for the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was in control of the Jewish people. He was working for the enemy. Not only was he working for the enemy, but he was taking money from his own people as a tax collector, taking money from the Jewish people to give to the enemy. So he was helping out the enemy and going against his people. So Matthew was very, very hated in this time. So as Matthew's going through this, and as he's struggling with not being liked by his friends and family, He gets to watch Jesus teach and perform miracles in his hometown of Capernaum. He had seen what Jesus could do, and he decided that he wanted to know more. So there's a moment when Jesus looked at him and called him to follow him. And in that moment, Matthew rose and left his old life behind and followed him. Like Matthew, we have a call from Jesus. He is looking at us. He's looking at you right now and saying, My son, my daughter, come follow me. To truly follow Jesus, we have to be like Matthew. The first step of being like Matthew is this. We must get up and follow him. So whatever life we're in, whatever we're doing, to actually follow someone, we have to physically get up, get out of our chairs, and go follow him. Following Jesus is not a passive thing where we sit in the shadows and we watch him from a distance, where I'm kind of hiding behind the pulpit and saying, okay, Jesus, I see you. No, we have to be visibly following him. We have to actually get up and take a step towards Jesus. We must take a step of obedience and follow him. Jesus is looking at us right now in our houses in the middle of our sin. He's looking at you in your tax collector booth and he's saying, follow me. And we have two choices when Jesus calls us to follow him. There's only two. There's no gray area. We either take a step of obedience and follow him or we don't. There is no time or place for half-hearted allegiance as we head into these new lands. As we head into a season of change, as the coronavirus pandemic comes all across our country, we cannot be half-hearted In our followership of Jesus, we must be all in or all out. We must get up and follow him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the author I'm talking about, in his book, he says that faith can no longer mean sitting and waiting. They must rise and follow him. He goes on to say, The road to faith passes through obedience to the call of Jesus. Unless a definitive step is demanded, the call vanishes into thin air. And if men imagine that they can follow Jesus without taking this step, they are deluding themselves like fanatics. Finally, he says this, only he who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. Only he who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. What Bonhoeffer is arguing in this chapter is that if we truly have faith, faith is not just a feeling, it's not just the lovey-doveys inside of us. Instead, faith is an action, and that action is obedience. If you truly believe and have faith in God, you will be obedient. And the only way we can be obedient to Jesus is to believe. So it goes hand in hand. He's not arguing that we are justified or that we are saved through obedience. He's not saying that. For he goes on to say that faith alone in the work of Jesus on the cross saves us from our sins. So faith alone saves us. But if we have faith, if we truly believe, we will be obedient. Imagine you have a fitness instructor, or when this is all over, you go back to the gym, you pack on a couple pounds through coronavirus, I get it, and you have to hire a personal trainer. When you hire them, obviously you're going to view them as qualified. You're going to think they're good at what they do and because you're paying them. So you're going to probably trust them and do what they say. If you're at the gym and your trainer tells you to do this certain lift or to get down and do 40 crunches, whatever he or she tells you, I highly doubt that you're going to sit there and argue with them and tell them, no, I do not need to obey you, my fitness instructor. I will do what I want. Because that would be uncomfortable. You're paying them, so obviously you want to do what they say because you trust them. Because you believe they know best. You believe that they are an expert in this field, so you want to listen to them. And you know that if you do what they say, your life's going to be better, or at least you'll be healthier. This is just like our walk with Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus, and if you believe that Jesus is truly God, and that He trusts you, or that and you trust Him, and that He loves you, and that He knows best, we will follow Him. We will obey him because faith and obedience are one and the same. Faith will lead to obedience because you trust God and you have faith in him and you will do our best to follow him. This does not mean we will be perfect. To go back to the fitness instructor analogy, you're not going to do every lift perfectly. You're not going to do exactly the way they want you to do it sometimes because we're human. But we will try our best to follow their instructions because we think they're an expert. And we think what the instructor is telling us to do is going to help us, it's going to fix some situations. So if God is truly your Lord, and you truly believe he is an expert, you will listen to him. God is calling us to radical obedience. If we have faith in him, we will do what he asks. What does this practically look like, though, in this season? I think there's a couple things. It looks like spending time with him. We talk about this quite a bit in Kyiv World, but it means getting up and reading your Bible. That's a way to practically get up and follow him, spend time praying, talk to God. You can sit and listen for his voice and try to sit in silence. I struggle in that area because my brain likes to run and run and run, but just try and be silent before the Lord. You can fast and try to join Jesus in his suffering. There's many things we can do. Another practical step of obedience in this season is to find a mentor, or someone to kind of pour into your life. You find someone who's followed Jesus a little bit longer than you, and then you follow them as they follow Jesus. That's what our small group leaders are for. So if you're not connected to a small group, I challenge you to get connected to a small group in these last couple of weeks and to find a mentor, find a leader. That's what our team is for. That's what the team of Chi Alpha leaders and pastors were here for, is to help you. We are called to find someone who's a little bit farther along than us in our walk with Jesus and follow them as they follow someone who's a little bit farther along, as they follow someone who's a little bit farther along, as we all look to Jesus. And that's really what we feel like our call is with Chi Alpha. We, our vision for the community is very simple, that we love Jesus and we follow Jesus and we try to make little Jesuses who are also following Jesus. So that's my job description. Now I'm going to try to follow Jesus to the best of ability I can and help other people follow Jesus. If you already have a relationship with Jesus, maybe He's calling you to obey Him in a specific way. Maybe Jesus has asked you to give something up because it be, could be between you and Him. For example, when I read this chapter from The Cost of Discipleship, I knew in my bones that I was playing way too many video games, and I got so convicted. And Jesus said, Derek, you better give those up. You better step that back. And I knew it in my gut, and I argued with Jesus. I'm like, who cares? I'm reading my Bible. I don't need to give this up. And then Jesus just sat there. And I was like, all right, you're right. So maybe God's asking you to do that. Maybe God is asking you to take a break from a relationship you have. Maybe you and a significant other aren't having healthy boundaries and God is saying, it's time to take a break from that. Maybe he's asking you to take a break from social media. You spend all your day on Facebook and Instagram and then you're angry and bitter at other people on Instagram for being more attractive than you. I get it, I struggle with it. Maybe he's calling you you to reach out to a friend that you know doesn't know Jesus and you know is lonely in this season and they need someone to talk to and they need someone to love on them and God is asking you to be that person. I challenge you to pray and ask what God wants you to do. You may not like what you hear. You may have a turning in your stomach. I know I did. But obedience to Jesus is how we follow him. And I promise you that if you take the step of obedience, he's going to run to you. I know there are some of you who are watching, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. You don't follow him at all. All he's asking you to do is this, to trust him and to give him your life. Get up and follow him. Be like Matthew. Matthew's life may have gotten more challenging when he started following Jesus, but now since he took this step, we are talking about him 2,000 years later. We're talking about this guy just because he got out of his tax-collecting booth. Following Jesus is how we make a generational impact. If you want to change this world, the best way that we know how is by just following Jesus. We have to take a step and get out of our situation to actually follow him. We must leave behind our tax-collector booth. So the first step to following Jesus above all else is taking this step of obedience and deciding to follow him. As we take this step, though, another layer is added. If we want to follow Jesus above all else, we must leave everything else behind. Matthew didn't say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to continue collecting taxes from the Jewish people. He didn't follow Jesus just on Tuesday nights or on Sunday mornings, but instead he gave his entire life to following Jesus. And that meant he had to leave everything else behind. Matthew was only one of the 12 disciples. Before Jesus called Matthew, he had already gathered some disciples. Earlier in the book of Matthew, in chapter 4 exactly, we see Jesus calling four of his other disciples. So Matthew four eighteen through 22 says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. As Jesus called them, he called them to abandon all else to follow him. He didn't say, Peter, Andrew, grab your nets and come follow me. He didn't tell James and John, all right, grab your boat, drag it over here, drag your dad in the boat, bring him over, and let's all follow me. No, he said, drop your nets. And come and follow me. They left their nets, they left their boat, they left their father, they left it all behind to be wholeheartedly in pursuit of Jesus. Bonhoeffer talks about Peter following Jesus and how Peter had to play a part. He says this Although Peter cannot achieve his own conversion, he can leave his nets. Although Peter cannot achieve his own conversion, he can leave his nets. We are like Peter. We cannot save ourselves. We are not good enough. Jesus has to save us. And he already did his part. However, our part is we must choose to leave our nets, to leave all else and to follow him. Bonhoeffer also says this, the only right and proper way is quite literally to go with Jesus. The call to follow implies that there is only one way of believing in Jesus Christ, and that is by leaving all and going with the incarnate son of God. So many times I try to follow Jesus in my own wants. Like, Jesus, I'll do what you want. I'll follow you as long as it doesn't mess up my plans, my dreams, my desires. However, following Jesus is a radical decision. There's a story in the Bible of Jesus talking with a young man. This young ruler comes up to Jesus and he basically asks him, him, how can I follow you? What does it look like to follow you? How do I inherit eternal life? This conversation is found in Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go Sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had had great possessions. This young man had done all the right things. He had kept the commandments. He didn't go out and party on the weekends. He went to church on Sundays. He didn't sleep with his girlfriend or boyfriend. He read his Bible in the mornings. From the outside, he was the perfect Christian. However, there was one thing he was not willing to give up. He didn't want to give up his wealth. He had something that he was holding back from Jesus. The problem was not his money. The problem was that his money was more important than following Jesus. When Jesus asks him to give up his wealth and to follow him, he goes away sorrowful and he does not follow Jesus. The story is not told to tell us we need to sell everything and that it's bad to have things. It's not what he's saying at all. But what the story tells us is that we can't be anything in our life There cannot be anything that we are unwilling to give up for Jesus. Jesus has to be our top value. If Jesus has to do something, we must be willing to do it no matter what. What Jesus says goes, even if we don't like it. Think about your life. Is there anything that you're holding back from God? If Jesus asked you to give up your major and to go overseas and to be a missionary, would you do it? When Jesus asks you to give up your free time to make disciples of freshmen and other students, do you do it? If Jesus called you to a life of singleness to just focus on him, would you be able to do it? If Jesus asked you to not live off campus and instead to move back into the dorm so you can create more opportunities to meet freshmen and talk to new students, would you be willing to do it? I'm not saying that any of these things are bad. It's good to have a major. It's good to have a job that you love and that pays well. It's good to have a relationship. However, the issue arises when these good things in our lives become God things. When we make our schoolwork, our musical ability, our significant other, our free time, our friends, our family, or anything else besides God the most important thing in our life. And when we do that, we are practicing idolatry by placing those things where only God belongs. Jesus must reign supreme in our lives. If there's anything in our life that Jesus has that if he asked you to do it, you couldn't do it, then we need to reevaluate. And it's okay, I've been there so many times in my life. Jesus said, Derek, you're making that more important than me, and I've had to change to continue a battle, we're not going to be perfect, but we have to be willing to try and obey Jesus. Because if we want to make an impact, we have to follow him. If we want to change the world, he has to be the only God in your life. So this obviously seems like a high call. It's kind of a dreary thing. Abandon it all, burn the ships, and come follow me. However, we, when we do this, when Jesus is the Lord of our lives, when we follow him, He does something so beautiful. When we follow Jesus, we receive new life. We receive new life. For Matthew, the tax collector, I would venture to guess that before Jesus, his life was not very enjoyable. All of his people hated him. He probably did not have many friends. He didn't have meaning. His life probably wasn't very great. Obviously, his life had to be one that had less meaning than following Jesus because he gave up that that life to follow Jesus. So obviously following Jesus had to be better because he does it. He dies for Jesus. So obviously following Jesus was better than his old life. For Peter, his story did not end with drop your nets and follow me. No, Jesus did command him to drop his nets and follow him. But when he did that, he also gave him a new purpose. He said, drop your nets and follow me because I'm going to make you a fisher of men. He gave him a new call and a new purpose that was so much better, so much more impactful than what his previous life had been. Jesus isn't just asking you to die to self and abandon all to follow him because he wants to ruin your fun. No, Jesus knows the end. He knows where a life guided by our own desire will lead us. It is nowhere good. Jesus knows that if we leave all to follow him, we will find new life. We will find new land. Matthew six thirty three says this, to seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be added to you. We have to seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will be added to you. If we seek first the kingdom of self, we will lie in destruction. But as we seek God, he is going to add blessing on blessing and we are going to find a life that is worth living. The only reason that we are talking about Matthew and Peter, the only reason that Matthew writes one of the books of the Bible, the reason that Peter is the first leader of the church because they left their old life to follow King Jesus. If they would have kept part of their old life and tried to mix their old pre-Jesus life with this new life of following Jesus, it wouldn't have mixed well. Bonhoeffer says this, that the call to follow at once produces a new situation. To stay in the old situation makes discipleship impossible. Jesus knows what it takes. He knows that if we leave our old life behind and follow him, it'll be so much more meaningful. He wants to take us to our new land. He wants to guide you to the life that you want to live. He wants to bring you joy and peace and hope. He wants that for you. He wants us to receive our inheritance, which is the kingdom of God. But in order to receive our inheritance, the kingdom of God, we have to follow the king himself to be a part of his kingdom. Jesus knows that it is impossible for us to be devoted to him and to things of the world. We cannot have two masters. One will always reign. And he knows the only way that this will work, the only way to receive the kingdom of God is for him to be our king. He wants us to get to our promised land. However, Jesus is the only one who knows the way there. We don't know the way to the promised land. Only Jesus can guide us there because he's the only one who knows how to get there. Only his GPS works. Ours fails miserably every time. He has to be our guide because we do not know the way. If we are guiding our own life or following other idols in our life, we are bound to make a mistake. We are bound to take a misstep. This has happened to me over and over and over again in my life where I try to take control. I try to take the keys from Jesus and I drive myself right into a tree and mess things up. But the moments when I give Jesus the keys of the car and say, you drive and I will follow are the moments where my life has the most meaning or are the moments where I follow Jesus to the best of my ability and are the moments that I find the most joy and meaning and purpose in this life because he is a better driver than i am he has to be the only god in our life we have to have exclusive attachment to him if we let jesus be our soul guide our soul lord he promises a beautiful inheritance jesus wants to take us from darkness to light if you are struggling in this season i want to challenge you to let jesus be your guide see what happens he knows what is best because he loves you so much he loves you way more than you could ever love you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. If we will be in Christ and let him rule our life, we will become a new creation. And in this creation, there is freedom. The shackles that are over your life will be broken. There is hope. In a season of hopelessness, he brings us hope. In a season of joylessness, he will bring us joy. And in this life, there is meaning. I am convinced that God wants to do some incredible things in Chi Alpha in this next season. I believe that God wants to use us, to use our community, to bring hope in this season of hopelessness. I believe he wants us to start or help him start a revival in the Cedar Valley, where we see thousands of students at the University of Northern Iowa where we see thousands of people in the Cedar Valley come and bow their knees to their King Jesus. God has a high calling on our lives. He is calling big things of us. He wants to use us to do big things. However, a high call comes with a high responsibility. We have to be willing to step up to the plate. He knows that if we try to bring a revival or try to bring change in our community on our own, that we will fail. If our sole devotion is not him, we will guide us down a bad path. We are not good enough to lead this movement. Taylor and I are not good enough to lead Kai Alpha. Only Jesus is. On our own, we are destined to fail, but with the power of God, nothing is impossible. Remember the main idea tonight. We must follow Jesus above all else as he takes us into new lands. We must follow Jesus above all else as he takes us into new lands. We're going into new lands. We're going into a new season. And if we play our cards right, he's going to take us to the most beautiful inheritance, the most beautiful land that there is in the world because he is the best guide. And he only will lead us to good places. Not saying it'll be easy, but I'm saying it'll be worth it. If you're watching this video, I know that God has got a big call in your life. Maybe you've never followed Jesus. Maybe you've been tuning in these videos and you've never really given Jesus your life. Maybe you grew up in church, maybe you went to church sometimes, but Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Jesus is looking at you right now on your couch and he's saying, follow me. Trust me because I can take you where you need to go. Leave your tax collector booth. Leave behind your life of chains and brokenness and follow me because I'll take you to a lush garden, I will take you to the promised land, and I'll take you home. If you've never given Jesus your life, I promise you that it will be the best decision you could ever make. He will give you new life and he will give you a purpose. Maybe you're watching this and you are following Jesus, but as you follow Jesus, you tend to start following other things. You've brought your old nets along. You haven't left all to follow him. Jesus is telling you tonight, my son or my daughter, drop your nets and follow me. Trust me for I'm a good king. I'm a good father. I'm a good shepherd. And you don't need those nets anymore because I'm going to make you a fisher of men and all you need for that is me. Trust that Jesus alone is enough to satisfy. Nothing of this world will satisfy you. Those old nets will not satisfy you. They will not be good enough to catch the fish that God wants to use you to catch. Trust him, please. You don't need anything besides him. He is enough. If you trust him and you abandon all to follow him, he will use you to move mountains. He will guide you to the promised land. He will help you reach your fullest potential if you will just simply cast all your idols aside and follow him and him alone. In this next season, God is looking at us. He's looking at you, Kai Alpha, and he's saying, come, follow me. I've got a place I want to take you. Now it is up to us to decide. We as Kai Alpha have to decide, are we going to leave all to follow him? Are we going to step into the calling that Jesus put on our lives? Are we going to drop our nets and say, my King, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay, because I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Will we rise to this occasion? Will we count the cost? Will we do whatever it takes to see heaven come to the Cedar Valley? This is the vision for the next season of Chi Alpha. We are going to recklessly follow Jesus wherever he leads us. He is in control. He is driving the ship. We're just along for the ride. We are going to follow him no matter what he asks of us. Amidst all of the uncertainty in our lives, amidst everything that is changing, amidst all the chaos, we are going to keep our eyes fixated right on him and follow him right to the promised land we're going to walk step in step with Jesus. And if we follow him, if we follow Jesus, he's going to take us to our true home. And that is the promised land. That is where he wants us. He's going to use Chi Alpha. He's going to use Sent Church. He's going to use you to accomplish his mission and change the world. If you're watching this video tonight, I want to give you two ways to respond. If when I talked about someone never following Jesus, if you've been sitting in your tax collector booth and Jesus is looking at you and saying, follow you, and you haven't gotten up and taken that first step of obedience, I want, you to, I want to give you an opportunity to get out of your tax collecting booth and follow Jesus. Whether you once have followed him and then you stopped or you never have followed him, I want tonight to be the night that you make a decision that you're going to follow Jesus no matter where he takes you. So if that is you, I would love for you, please, to fill out the link below, the prayer link. I know it's weird to go and fill out a link, but we just want to pray with you. We just want to be there along this journey with you and help you follow Jesus. I'm going to pray over you right now. Jesus, thank you so much for people who are sitting in their booths, and they're going to get up and follow you tonight, God, because you are the only king that is worthy of following Jesus. I just pray for anyone who's on the edge of whether or not they should fill out this link or whether or not they should reach out to a friend. And I pray that you'll push them to do it, God, not just so they can do something, but God, so they can connect with you and connect with other people who are following you, Jesus. I thank you for the brothers and sisters that you've added to our kingdom. Thank you for what you've done tonight. We love you so much, amen. Amen, there's a second group of people that are watching this video. And if you're willing to commit to a life guided by Jesus, then you're gonna follow him wherever you go and we're gonna drop the nets i want you to pray out to god right now in your couch even if you're with people i know it's uncomfortable but i want you to start praying right now to jesus and pray jesus i'm going to follow you wherever you take me i'm going to follow you so pray right now to god and as you pray i'm going to pray with you jesus thank you so much for who you are thank you for being a king worth following jesus we are going to follow you wherever you take us chi alpha is going to follow you to wherever you go jesus I just pray over our friends who are watching this video, God, that they will follow you wherever you go and that we will commit as a community and as a family that where you take us, we will go, Jesus, and that we are going to follow you no matter what, Jesus. I thank you that you let us follow you. You're such a good king and creator for giving us the opportunity to walk step in step with you and learn from you. I thank you so much for our community. Thank you for this family that I get to be a part of, Father. It is so beautiful. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. If, you, if this is your first time watching or you want to get connected, please fill out the link where it says to get connected and get us some of your information so we can reach out to you. If you decided to give your life to Jesus tonight and to follow him and to get out of your booth, please fill out that prayer. Or if you have any other prayer requests or anything else you need from us, please fill out those links. Or you can just message me, message Pastor Daniel, Taylor, Emily, whoever you want, just tell someone so we can connect with you. We love you so much. Thank you for tuning in.